Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. With the exception of maybe two brothers out of Warrenville, Illinois, who have been open for about uh, 22 years as of this year, Half Acre might arguably be one of the uh, original breweries to kind of revamp and restart the growth of the brewing industry in the Chicagoland market. Half Acre first brewed their original lager in 2007. They would go on to open up the original brewery on Lincoln Avenue in Chicago in 2008. Uh, After a short four years, they managed to reach capacity at their uh, location at at the uh, Lincoln Avenue Brewery, and they expanded production to a second facility on Balmoral Avenue in 2015. Uh, Today, there is a second tap room and restaurant open at the Balmoral location to... uh, um, to complement the original location. And not only have they moved into further parts of Illinois, but they now distribute in um, small parts of Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and New York as well. When it comes to Half Acre Beer, or uh, a discussion of even Chicago beer in general, You can't talk pale ales in Chicago without bringing up Daisy Cutter, uh, which happens to be the flagship beer of Half Acre and could possibly be considered the um, quintessential pale ale in the Chicagoland area, or if at least not one of the very best pale ales the city has to offer. As one of the first breweries in the city to pioneer uh, canning in a 16-ounce can, they were used to release Over Ale, the Gossamer Golden Ale, and Akari Shogun to complement the Daisy Cutter. Today they can an IPA for each season, um, switching off twice a year, as well as a double IPA for each season. And uh, this goes along with their core year-round beers, uh, the Pony Pilsner and the Tuna Extra Pale Ale, which is one of the newer beers in the Half Acre lineup. Once again, Half Acre is starting a new tradition in the Chicago beer scene, one that will hopefully carry on for many years to come. This past weekend was the debut of Far and Away, the Half Acre Invitational of 2018. Half Acre decided to invite many breweries from around the country, um, quite a few of which do not distribute anywhere within the Chicagoland area, to come to the Chicago region and host an event to share some of their beer and give the beer lovers a chance to sample some of the best beer that the country has to offer. In this episode, we will discuss the sights, sounds, and the pours of Far and Away, the Half Acre Invitational, and the inaugural uh, iteration of such event uh, that took place on October 13th, 2018. 
So the Half Acre Invitational took place this past Saturday, which was October 13th in downtown Chicago. It uh, took place in Millennium Park at a location called uh, the Harris Theater. And it was on the rooftop of such building. Now, it wasn't on the rooftop of a traditional sense. It wasn't all that high up. More like a second-story terrace, so to speak, on top of the building. But it did afford a nice view, a nice overlook of the park, and um, a nice view of some of the larger buildings in downtown Chicago. There wasn't too much of a view out over the rest of Millennium Park, but that is only because uh, the tents that all of the beer breweries were pouring beer underneath was kind of blocking that view but it was uh, still a nice location and the weather turned out to be uh, quite decent it was uh, relatively chilly but the sun did manage to stay out and it stayed uh, nice all day there was no rain uh, I'm wondering if at the evening session if it got a little bit chillier then but when the sun was out, it was actually relatively nice. It was a bit cool at times, but uh, it was relatively comfortable. So the Invitational had two different sessions. One which ran from 12 p.m. to 4 p.m. And one that ran from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. I attended the 12 p.m. session and arrived at the uh, entry line at about quarter after 12 now, there was quite a line there at this point in time. Usually, I'm just excited to get into these events and get to sample my first beer. So I was uh, worried that the line wasn't going to move all that quickly. The line was relatively long, but it did manage to go relatively fast. And uh, people started kind of filtering in at a relatively good click. Uh, they had enough people there checking IDs and tickets that the... Uh, the, the progress that they had made and the work that they had, how they had organized at least the uh, entry seemed to work out pretty, pretty solidly. From what I could see at the uh, line to get in, it looked like there would be quite a bit of people there for the uh, amount of space that they actually had for the event. But I think the majority of people just managed to arrive on time or shortly, uh, shortly after the 12 o'clock entry time. Uh, who wants to be late for a beer fest, after all? And those fears seem to be a little bit unfounded. I knew that uh, neither session had actually sold out, so didn't think it would be quite as crowded. Um, but I wasn't sure exactly, given what I could see of the space, I felt like there wasn't as much space as I would have expected. Uh, but I think the uh, space actually ended up being quite good. When we first went up to with the space, there was a large open area with the uh, outside of the tent with the sun shining. There were some tables set up where people could uh, stand around, uh, you know, have have food on or, or uh, you know, uh, standing tables that you could have food on or hold your drinks on to uh, gather around there. There was a uh, far and away banner if people wanted to take pictures in front of it as a backdrop and there were a couple of tents here uh, there was a dark matter tent where they were serving coffee and uh, they had 
espresso machines to make espresso drinks and they did have one tent of food um, when I usually go to a beer fest I don't end up eating all that much anyhow um, that's probably to my detriment I would probably do well to consume some sort of food usually when I'm at a beer fest but I usually get too excited about the beer and I just end up uh, powering through on just the beverages alone so this time around, I at least made it a point to make sure I had plenty of food going into the event and I had a good meal before entering the event. That being said, I did not check out what all they were had at the food tent. I did see a couple of people walking around with large pretzels, so I know they were doing soft pretzels, which makes sense at a beer festival. But beyond that, I'm not sure what else they had to offer. I surprisingly didn't see a lot of people eating during the festival. Uh, maybe many people had the same idea I did and just wanted to make sure they got their fair share of the beer. Now most of the event space was taken up by uh, the large tent where all the breweries were stationed pouring underneath. Um, that definitely uh, gave good protection if it did happen to storm. But like I said, the weather turned out to be quite nice. Um, hopefully, maybe that tent even managed to shelter some of the chill that uh, indubitably came around during the evening session. I know that they did have some lights uh, cast over the tent, which um, made for some wonderful ambiance at the later on session. But we definitely missed out on that. Uh, just had to settle for the good old-fashioned sunshine. They certainly managed to pack a lot of breweries into the tent space. Uh, by my approximation, there seemed to be around 60 or 66 different beverage purveyors on hand. Uh, there was a couple of wineries, or at least one meadery, and a great assortment of breweries. So when I first came upon the scene, I went to grab my first beer. Um, I noticed there were uh, bits of uh, lines at a few different breweries that kind of spanned throughout the tent space. So I was concerned that the lines for some particular breweries might be an issue or, or uh, waiting for beer might become an issue throughout the event. Uh, fortunately, those fears were unfounded. It just seemed to be a few breweries that were super popular. So I went to grab a beer from a place that there wasn't much of a line at. And the first one that I happened to stop by or one that caught my eye would have been uh, Jackie O's. They had a English style barley wine that was bourbon barrel aged called Brick Kiln at an 11% ABV. I made it a point to sip that one slowly. Uh, since I was definitely starting out with a high-octane beer and I knew it was going to be a long afternoon, I decided to pace myself on that first taste, walk around a little bit, get my bearings to where all the breweries were under the tent, and uh, kind of get a lowdown of what I might like to try. Speaking of lines, there were a few different breweries that definitely... Uh, drew attention. Uh, side, side projects seem to have a pretty consistent line through most of the event. Um, 
other hands had a bit of a line there it seemed at first and then it kind of broke away a little bit so I did get to try an other hands beer uh, I believe Casey uh, brewing and blending I believe they had a line through a good part of the event I did not get a chance to get over and try anything from them and then the one line that just seemed to be maybe arguably the longest and um, throughout its time pouring would be a place called Monkish Brewing um, up there out of Torrance, California, which would be the LA area. And they were pouring a cotton candy space cookie double milkshake IPA. Now this of course is their own description. It's called Space Food. This was a collaboration with Tired Hands and Omnipolo. They were also pouring a triple IPA called Galactic Rhyme Federation. Um, milkshake pop, milkshake IPAs are hugely popular right now. Uh, that's probably one of the reasons why it drew so much attention. Uh, but uh, the uh, cotton candy and space cookie double milkshake and all that aspect of it makes it sound rather interesting as well. What I do know is that within an hour, about an hour in, they had already kicked all of their beer. It was all gone. By about, by about an hour into the event, they were out of beer, which was crazy. They kicked beer super early. Now, I don't know if they had both the beers they were planning to pour, if it was just one, or maybe they were just really popular and they just had a couple of sixtals and they kicked them super fast. But Monkish was the first ones out, and they were out really, really quickly. I did not get to try either one, so I could not judge on uh, if they were pouring what they said they were pouring and how any of it tastes. Uh, I just know that they had a steady, consistent line that took them right up till the end, which was about an hour into the, uh, the first uh, 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 session. Now, I know each brewery had brought enough beer to match two sessions, so I know they would have been back for the second, but they certainly kicked their uh, quota for the first session very quickly. Now, my second stop of the fest had to be uh, the Referend Beer Blendery. They were pouring the Berliner Messe Gloria. Uh, I guess Messe is a German word. And uh, this was a spontaneously fermented Berliner Weiss that was dry hopped with Citra, Mosaic, and Simcoe. Uh, that powerhouse of all-star hops just gave the beer a wonderful aroma. Um, it was sour, but not overly sour. It wasn't a palate wrecker. Um, and on top of that... The, uh, the ABV was relatively low. This is a super flavorful beer. I believe it was somewhere in the range of four and a half. But it was nice considering all of the big powerhouse beers and the big stouts and all everything we had on, on tap here. It was nice to get a flavorful beer that was uh, more moderate in range when it comes to ABV. And um, it's... Uh, was one of the many examples of just great sours that were on hand here. Sours were almost the the best 
uh, they almost stole the show, uh, especially in the the world of hazy IPAs and New England styles and double dry hopped, whatever. Uh, Sours definitely held their own. They made a big time showing during the event. It was great to see them, and they were truly some of the best beers I had at the fest. And speaking of Sours, I knew I wanted to go over and hit up Crooked Stave. That's one of the big time names that I knew of, and I wanted to make sure I got something from them. They were pouring their Surrette uh, Reserva, which they described as a gin barrel aged Saison. Uh, the description on Untapped says it's more of a sour ale. Um, don't know if it's somewhere in between. Or what what I do know is uh, it was a nice easy drinking um, even with the barrel aging the gin gave just enough notes to it uh, to go with that nice yeast strain uh, they blended together very nicely and it was a relatively tasty sip I've had gin barrel aged beers before that were a little too gin heavy and not quite my style but I felt the gin played nicely with this particular the yeast whether or not uh, uh, whether or not it was a saison or a more of a sour that wild yeast that that belgian -y type of uh, finish on it went super nice with the gin barrel for sure another one of the big names that i was sure i wanted to try was modern times modern times is out of the west coast uh, california i believe as well uh, they were sitting right next to Side Project. Uh, so while the line was extremely long and I just passed Side Project by, I was able to go and get a pour at Modern Times with no weight. Uh, I went with their Fellowship of Zool, which is a dessert beer, what you would call a sweet stout. Uh, it was like about 13% beer, so I definitely made sure uh, to drink that one in moderation as well. With all the high-octane beers here, there did seem to be a larger number of uh, glasses crashing uh, as the session progressed throughout the afternoon. Now, it's typical in beer fests, if somebody, a lot of, uh, some beer fests have switched over to plastic glasses to avoid this uh, particular scenario, but uh, many still use glass serving glasses at uh, this particular event, they gave us a nice highball glass, which is uh, rather stylish. It wasn't just a little sample glass or like a little shot glass. But what happens is people end up dropping their glasses and they go crash on the cement. There was no exception to this at this particular event. I think I heard about uh, four different instances in the evening of glasses going crash as they fell to the ground usually get one or two but it seemed like uh, there was a lot this time around one happened to occur just in front of me and somebody lost whatever uh, stout they were drinking as that brown liquid went splashing out of the glass and the uh, glass went flying but it's common practice for the crowd to roar up in a cheer anytime they hear broken glass because whether or not it's because 
the person was just clumsy or whether they had one too many. Uh, either way, when that glass breaks, they can't get another one. So that was their last beer of the day, whether they liked it or not. Uh, later on, when I was in the restroom drying my hands, there was somebody who had stashed their glass on top of the uh, air dryer and it slipped off and broke as well. So there was a lot of breaking uh, souvenir glasses at this particular event. That was another reason why I tried to pace myself a little bit and drink some of those high-octane beers a little bit slower. But after I had tried the Modern Times, I had to move on to the uh, other half brewing. Uh, uh, that proved to be my first hazy IPA of the day in their broccoli double dry hopped IPA. That was relatively tasty. Along with the sours, uh, there did seem to be a great number of saisons present at the festival, uh, which was another style that I definitely like to see. You don't always get to see a lot of saisons coming out to play at beer festivals. So it was nice that uh, breweries were bringing out their saisons. Forest in Maine uh, was no exception to this. They actually had two saisons they were pouring. And um, I went with their Dr. Saison, which uh, was a saison aged on wine barrels. With some of the bigger lines at other breweries, I really decided to take a step off the beaten path and just start going for the breweries that I really didn't know anything about or hadn't heard of. There was plenty of those to be had. Uh, one East Coast one that I definitely had to hit up was Bunker. And Bunker was pouring a IPA called Terrarium, which was... Um, hopped with Grungeist hops. I got to talk to the rep a little bit, and uh, Grungeist is a hop out of Germany. But unlike the Hallertau Blanc and more of those noble-style hops that you would find in a Pilsner or a Lager type of beer, uh, Grungeist is much more versatile and works very well in an IPA. It's uh, kind of plays between the worlds of... Uh, uh, fruity and a little piney or a little more earthy and it just proves to be a very versatile hop so the terrarium proved to be a, a great drinking IPA I love being able to try the Grungeist hops maybe I've had them before and I had just forgotten but it was nice to get a little more info about those hops and to get to try an IPA uh, just specializing in that particular hop um, it was nice talking to the gentleman pouring, so I had to make sure I had to come back and grab uh, their second beer, which was the Bunker Machine, which was a Czech-style Pilsner. And it was nice to have just a Pilsner to uh, as a little bit of a balancer, equalizer, a little bit of a palate cleanser after all those big heavy beers. Nice to just drink something crisp, clean, and refreshing. Now, you're not always going to have the most uh, in-depth and meaningful conversations at a beer festival. But it is always nice to talk to people at a beer festival. Uh, just chat up strangers, if you will, because that's some 
uh, in this particular case at the event this past weekend, that is how I found some great beer to be had. I, um, a couple of uh, standouts I would not have even tried if somebody hadn't mentioned them. One of which was the Aslan. Uh, they had been pouring a stout, which I believe was uh, had a Rice Krispies or something like that in there. Or was supposed to be something to that effect, but they sold out very quickly. But that had not stopped me from grabbing their Master of Karate. Um, this was an IPA that was dry hopped with Amarillo, Galaxy, and Mosaic. And that was a trio of hops that I had not really seen put together yet. It made for a great hop profile. Uh, taste was uh, fruity, but almost uh, had a little bit of notes of vegetable at the same time. So that was uh, a refreshing take, um, especially since uh, Mosaic and Citra and hops like that are always found in so many different beers. It was nice to see that put in with the Galaxy and the uh, Amarillo to offer up something a little bit uh, different, a little more unique. Now I was grabbing my pour of the Aslan Master of Karate. Couldn't help but look over and check out the beers of the brewery uh, next door. And uh, Threes had a beer called Far Between. What caught my eye was the description that said a fooder aged fest beer. And not only was it remarkable because there weren't a lot that many or as I did not get to check what everybody every brewer at the fest was pouring I don't know if there were any other Oktoberfests or fest beers out there uh, but this was one of the few that I saw as I wandered around um, I also didn't see a lot of fresh hop ales although I will note one here in a little bit uh, I was surprised considering uh, it's definitely the season for both uh, Oktoberfests Oktoberfests and fresh hop ales. Well, maybe it's a little bit past the Oktoberfest uh, time frame, but uh, it's not like they're not still around. But I definitely had to get a try of the Fooder Age Fest beer. Uh, I can't. I was talking to the rep there, and he told me all the things they put in the Fooder. Um, but I can't remember what they all were. I just know that they added some unique notes to the uh, typical fest beer finish and the uh, just a typical uh, uh, lager-esque beer, but it was uh, proved to be relatively tasty. I like the little notes that it brought to it, so I definitely wanted to grab one of those. I also grabbed a West standard kind of West Coast IPA from Bagby. It was called Goof Troop. Uh, it was very, very balanced, uh, a little more so than I would expect from a West Coast IPA. But after all the other beers I had before that and all the different styles and everything like that, my palate was a little bit destroyed, so I didn't see much to it. But it was a solid, just standard West Coast IPA. I didn't think it was anything too super fancy. 
uh, Fremont Brewing was the one that was pouring the fresh hop ale. It was called Field to Ferment. And uh, this was the Citra Hop series in their fresh hop lineup. So uh, that proved to be pretty tasty as well. As I mentioned about uh, talking to other people and learning about beers, uh, I had a high recommendation to check out Weldworks and their sour that they had. So I worked my way over and uh, took a look, and they were pouring a Berliner Weiss. It's called the Blackberry Cobbler. Now this is a beer that they brewed as part of a quote-unquote pastry sour series. This was a kettle-soured wheat ale brewed with 2,000 pounds of blackberry puree, vanilla, graham cracker, and lactose. And this thing was pretty darn tasty. It tasted very much like a cobbler. It had that sweetness and the uh, tasted like the sweet crustiness of a slice of pie that definitely came through on the finish. Um, so it wasn't just the sweetness of the fruit, although that was there. Um, poured a uh, definitely like a purplish color, so that was right on point as well. The sweetness was there, but it was that that slight sweetness and like crusty notes in the finish that just kind of sold it for me. This absolutely tasted very much like you would expect from a cobbler-esque version of a beer. So the Weldworks Blackberry Cobbler for Litterweiss was amazing. I heard great things about their second beer as well, which I did not try, but uh, that uh, Blackberry Cobbler really did it for me. That'd probably be my second favorite beer of the event. Um, and uh, like I said, the sours definitely came out to play. Since I enjoyed the Fest beer and I, I like uh, brewery reps who like to at least talk a little bit to the their fans and the people at the Fest as much as they can. You know, it's hard to do when there's a line and you got to keep the crowd moving. But it's always nice when somebody is willing to give you a little bit more knowledge about the beer, a little bit more uh, information about how they approach their brewing processes. So I had to go back to Threes uh, and follow up that Fest beer with a uh, pour of their Logical Conclusion IPA. Um, that was pretty tasty. I don't remember too much that uh, set it apart from many other beers there, but it was still a quality IPA. At this point, the festival was kind of winding down a little bit. So it was getting to be around the time when Last Call was coming through. So I had to turn to a um, couple of the pioneers who uh, kind of got the whole... the. I had to pay homage, so to speak, to the breweries that have been around a long time, long before this most recent resurgence in brewing. And uh, so I had to first stop off at Sierra Nevada. And they were pouring their uh, single hop El Dorado Session IPA. I definitely had to get a pour of that. Uh, it's nice to see somebody showcase the El Dorado hop. 
It's not something you usually see too often, especially standing alone in its own beer. And uh, as I was getting a pour of that, I couldn't help but notice the other tap handle, which was the Chocolate Chipotle Barrel Aged Stout. Uh, that was the Trip to the Woods version of the Chocolate Chipotle Stout, so it was barrel aged. So I had to quickly finish the uh, El Dorado session and to go back for a pour of that Chocolate Chipotle Barrel Aged Stout. And that was pretty tasty as well. Unfortunately, I didn't savor it too much because uh, I wanted to stop off at New Belgium and get a pour of their Trans-Atlantique Creek from the Lips of Faith series. They were also pouring the Juicy Haze version of their uh, Voodoo Ranger IPA, but with the Trans-Atlantique Creek on draft there, there was no way I was not going to get a pour of that. And that was the beer I was perhaps drinking a little too quickly as I made my way towards the exit of the festival. And it seemed like everybody here just brought out some of their best uh, or, uh, or really stepped their game up with what they brought to the festival here. Uh, I know Firestone Walker was there. I was not I'm not sure what they brought to the festival so I can't speak on that I didn't make my way over to get to take a good look um, even three Floyds who sometimes I feel like they can get away with uh, phoning it in a little bit I felt like that when they did their uh, pop-up at the space next to Emporium in the city didn't have anything a lot of, a lot of stuff super special that you couldn't find in a seasonal release in a bomber at the liquor store but even three floyds brought a couple beers i had never heard of before i know one of their beers was uh, an ipa called cheer team i think another one was a hazy or a, a double dry hopped ipa or something or other but both of those i didn't recognize and uh even half acre who was hosting the event brought a uh, version of Benthic that I think was barrel-aged, and it had at least some variants in there, and then an IPA that, that uh, they don't usually have, uh, some sort of special IPA, I believe. So everybody kind of really stepped it up and brought their A-game to the festival and wanted to bring out their good stuff, uh, something special, and wanted to really try to do it right for their uh, special trip to Chicago. So for that, it was much appreciated. I think the only brewery that I really felt was kind of, uh, had proved to be underwhelming in its offerings was unfortunately uh, Founders. Founders was pouring KBS, which is of course a quality barrel-aged stout, but uh, it's not like it's quite as rare or hard to come by as it used to be. Um, they were pouring KBS and they were also pouring Mosaic Promise, which just felt uh, a little bit disappointing. And for a brewery who just brewed some double trouble for the first time in a few years and then uh, the barrel-aged version of Old Man Curmudgeon uh, for the first time in I think like seven years, You'd have thought they could have brought something a little more unique and special. Uh, but that's alright. That just saved me having to worry about one brewery that I couldn't get to. I uh, 
wasn't going to waste my time going there just because they didn't have anything super special going on. Uh, kind of disappointing. I uh, just felt like maybe they it was just their offerings were a little underwhelming is all. Now, just since I decided to uh, take a chance to try to hit up some of the breweries I had just never heard of, I found an amazing discovery in a brewery called Troon, T-R-O-O-N. They are out of uh, Hopewell, New Jersey, and it looks like they got started in 2015. Uh, they don't have a tap room at their facility. It looks like they do limited can releases, which they do sell out of their brewery, but only on particular days when those re uh, releases are canned. Uh, they release that information on Instagram, looks like, and uh, looks like they are canning in 32-ounce cans, so that's a very unique format as well. But looks like they're doing uh, just limited canning runs in 32-ounce cans. However, they do have one draft account, which happens to be a tavern that is right next to the brewery. So they sell their draft beer to them, and that tavern will do flights and drafts of their beer. So in essence, it's almost like they have uh, outsourced a tap room, so to speak. It really isn't a tap room, but it's close enough to the brewery and it's serving the brewery's beers. So it's kind of like a tap room. But from a brewery sense, they still have to sell the beer like it would be any other draft account. But um, it still allows people to try the beer much like a tap room would be. But they brought a couple of beers, which they cleverly renamed to be High Chicago and By Chicago. So when I first approached their uh, stand there, I asked which one I should try. And they told me to definitely try the By Chicago first. So the By Chicago was listed as a kettle sour with passion fruit. And the uh, High Chicago was listed as a hoppy ale. So I got a, the pour of the By Chicago first. And let me tell you, it was amazing. The first step just kind of hit me. And it was, um, it was a mouthful. It was like a flavor explosion. So By Chicago is a kettle sour brewed with lactose. Uh, re-fermented with mango and passion fruit, and then conditioned on Madagascar vanilla beans. And the result ended up being like a juicy IPA, uh, or, an, or a lactose IPA, um, but in a sour version. So it was like a juicy sour. And this played tremendously well with the sour and the sweetness and the fruitiness that's supposed to come out of a sour. Um, with previous tropical IPAs and really juicy IPAs and lactose IPAs, I have felt like it was a little too close to being like a glass of juice and didn't really taste much like beer. Um, but with the sour and the sour profile I was expecting here, uh, that lactose just played very nicely along with the vanilla and uh, the mango and passion fruit just gave it a very juicy, delicious vibe. It was uh, sweet and tangy and it just uh, hit my tongue like I couldn't believe. I took that first sip and I just wasn't expecting to enjoy it that much. 
this beer would probably end up being my favorite beer of the whole event. Um, the Weldworks Blackberry Cobbler was tremendous as well, but I think this one just edges out a little bit. Because on that initial taste, I was just kind of wowed and floored. Uh, it's quite remarkable too, because as much as I love the different uh, styles of beer, I'm usually not a huge sour beer fan. I do enjoy sours, but they don't usually tend to rank high on my favorites, uh, opposed to things like uh, pale ales, IPAs, and porters, which are usually more of my uh, favorite go-to styles. Uh, but by Chicago, as I said, was renamed for the event. The uh, regular name for the beer is Athazagoraphobia. And uh, considering how much I liked that beer, I had to turn around and go right back to their booth to try their other beer, the High Chicago. That was just a hoppy ale or a pale air IPA, uh, dry hopped with tons of Galaxy and Citra. I do love the Galaxy hop, so the aroma on that was great. That proved to be tasty as well. But after the uh, Athazagoraphobia, it just was a little bit underwhelming considering how much I loved that first beer. But uh, Troon was the first, first uh, brewery I had to go back to to get both beers from. Uh, for because how much I liked the uh, that first beer, and the High Chicago was uh, originally is originally uh, regularly called the uh, Spit Fountain. And Troon has remarkable beer names for a lot of their beers. I I was scanning through their list on Untapped and I was surprised by how clever and funny some of their names were, especially something like Sweating Through My Clown Paint. Uh, they're they're uh, I don't know how they come up with some of those names, but I was having a chuckle and found that to be quite inventive. So the final question here to wrap this all up would be, was the ticket price, the elevated ticket price, worth it for the uh, Far and Away event here, this first Half Acre Invitational? And I would have to say my answer is, and, well, absolutely. This was a tremendous event. Uh, the beer selection was phenomenal. Most of the breweries seem to really want to bring some special stuff or their tastiest stuff, and everybody really seemed to have brought their A-game to the party. Uh, it was a great mixture of beer. Uh, like I said, even like Saison's. Had a great showing here. Uh, it wasn't just everybody doing hazy IPAs. While there was plenty of juicy and haze, there were also plenty of uh, uh, stouts and saisons. Uh, a lot of sours to be had. Uh, the first beer I grabbed, of course, was that English barley wine. So it was amazing to see that. So it was a wide range of styles, a wide range of breweries. And everybody just wanted to be part of the fun. Everybody kind of brought some of their good stuff out of the woodwork. And uh, all the attendees and everybody there just uh, were all the better because of it. This was absolutely a phenomenal event. For me, usually a beer fest is all about the beer and what is there to uh, sample. 
and this event just knocked it out of the park, I feel. If I had one regret because of the festival, it would just be the fact that uh, there was just not enough time to get to try everything that was there. There was a lot of stuff that I had to pass over and just didn't get to try. So as much as, uh, as high as the ticket price was for this particular event, I would have almost liked to have been able to buy a ticket to each session just so I had another shot at uh, trying more of the beer that I didn't get to the first session around. Uh, four hours is a lot of time, but it still felt like it wasn't quite enough considering uh, the sheer number of uh, uh, breweries and wineries and meateries here on site. And uh, it was just, uh, it was absolutely amazing. I am highly surprised that neither one of these sessions sold out. Perhaps it was the high price that played a factor in that, but um, I would definitely like it to stay that way for next year because I wouldn't want to have a bunch of competition when I'm going to buy a ticket because if they do this event again, I will be sure to be there. This was a phenomenal event. I highly recommend it if you get a chance. Uh, if you don't want to go, then by all means stay away because it will be more beer for me and a better opportunity for me to get a ticket. Uh, this event was crazy, a crazy good time. The beer was amazing and uh, it was one of the best beer events I've ever been to hands down. So Half Acre uh, did a tremendous job and uh, we also have all these breweries to thank as well for making the trip out to Chicago. A lot of them, of course, don't distribute in the Chicagoland markets, so they had to travel to this event to bring out their beer and uh, share it with Chicagoland. So uh, a big thanks has to go out to all of them. Uh, they made the event what it was as well, and uh, it was an absolutely great time to be had for sure. All that's left to be said on that note is Half Acre, please, please, please make this a yearly event. It was phenomenal, and we would all love to do it again. I think I would speak for everybody attending as well. That will do it for this episode of the Let's Sip podcast. I'm your host, Brandon E. Gaylor. Podcast theme music composed by Brandon E. Gaylor. Special thanks to Anchor.fm for hosting the podcast. Feel free to follow us on Instagram at Let's Sip Podcast. Thank you very much for sipping with us, and we'll drink with you again next time. Bye-bye.